Are you new to fatherhood? Not sure if you're dating to your full potential? Well, you've come to the right place. Most dads aren't talking to each other about their lives as dads. Like it's some kind of secret. Well, this is the podcast that takes the secret out of fatherhood. This is Not So Secret Dad's Business. G'day, g'day, and welcome to this very special episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. So with this episode, bringing you a little bonus, I caught up with Jay from the Young Dad Podcast, and we did a bit of a first, both for him and for me. Now, I mean, I've had other dad casters on the show in the past, but this one we decided to do a bit of a crossover, Not So Secret Dad's Business times Young Dad Podcast. So in this episode... Jay and I actually go on a few different side quests, a few different tangents in this one. I know most of my episodes are full of tangents anyway, but this one I felt was uh, a little bit different. You know, and I have to say, I found this one quite interesting to record because, uh, you know, both Jay and I at different points were trying to drive the conversation. And I guess, you know, being a podcaster, it's really hard to let go of the rain sometimes and let somebody else do it but I think this episode came out awesome I've also edited this episode and put my own spin on it but if you check out the Young Dad podcast and check out this episode on Jay's platform well then you'll also see the slight differences although they're not huge so anyway without further ado let's get on with this episode special bonus episode not so secret dad's business and the Young Dad Podcast crossover with Jay Young. Welcome man, welcome in to a special episode for both of us here today. You have Young Dad Podcast Times, Not So Secret Dad Business, and that's going to equal something good today. Nate, how are you, man? I'm doing well, man, and, and you're totally right. I hope we have some gold coming out of here today because, uh, you know, with both of us doing some really cool dad casting, let's go there. Um, you know, I've been looking forward to catching up with you, man, so it's it's great to finally make this happen. I know. We've been trying to nail this down for a few weeks now right yeah it's been yeah i think we're going close to a month now yeah i know we've been trying but that's just life man that's just life having kids working a full time having a life everything in between that comes up i moved and everything so it was just it was a whole thing it was just a whole thing been we got here that's what matters we got here and it's gonna be something good so that's it, man. And look, the, the time difference between the States and Australia doesn't help things too much either. So, you know, at least, at least we got it happening, man. We got it happening. So I don't know if the listeners couldn't pick up on it, but you are in Western Sydney, Australia. I think that's pretty cool. I believe you're the third or fourth dad and social media person or coach or someone that we that I've talked to from Australia. Ah, oh, that's awesome. I feel pretty bloody special, mate. Yeah, it's cool down there because there's a lot of similarities between how how we parent and how we think. 
It's very similar. And I've talked to people from both, from Australia and from here. And really even hearing it from Australians' mouth, it's like, it's just like America, just without the guns. It is, man. Like, Australia is very Americanized. Uh, like, you've got to realize that 80 to 90% of the stuff on TV is coming in from America. So, I mean, I was growing up on Nickelodeon and The Simpsons and all that good stuff, you know, Ren and Stimpy and the like the golden age of Nickelodeon. Yes, which is all on uh, Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus has all of those. Like, they have a special category for all those 90 cartoons. So, Paramount Plus, not a sponsor, unless they're a sponsor of yours, but they're not a sponsor of mine, but... Um, they have the original Rugrats, like Rocket Power, Wild Thornberries, all of those different shows all in one category there. And it's the coolest thing to be able to flip through those shows and actually started watching the new Rugrats that's on there because they modernized it with the animation and everything just to kind of fit more with today. And they updated a lot of the content to make it more relevant. It's actually actually a pretty good watch not gonna lie i uh have some solo rug rug rats watching time uh the other day so it was pretty enjoyable yeah and i think rug rats especially is a good one to watch with the kids as well and and i I love it because now i look back at rug rats and i see all those dad jokes those grown-up jokes that you don't notice as a kid and i'm like how were my parents letting me watch this but then again, it's the same with Angry Beavers and Cat Dog and Rocco's Modern Life. Like, they're all pretty risque. But um, as I say, though, you know, like, it's not just the TV that's got us pretty Americanized. I mean, we've got 7-Elevens everywhere. We've got Starbucks everywhere. We've got a Five Guys up the road. Uh, you know, so we've got a lot of American influence here in Australia, which I think is why it's so relevant. And you guys just have a lot more deadly wildlife, I guess. Yeah, well, that's right. We don't have the firearms, but we've got every poisonous creature available. So, and don't get don't get me started on the drop bears, mate. The what? The drop bears. Like bears, like. So they're they're, they're um an offshoot of a koala. They look just like a koala. I love koalas. Yeah, but these these things, man, drop bears—they're vicious. So they will actually stay up in the tree and wait for something to come underneath the tree. They'll just drop straight out of the tree on top of you and attack you. What? No, come on. I've got to be honest, man. Us Aussies love winding everybody else up, and that that one is a bit of a joke. Drop bears don't exist, but it's one of our oh, favourite stories it. to tell. That's pretty cool. I, mean, I want a koala to – well, like – I don't really want to get chlamydia from a koala, so I don't really want to interact with one. But from a distance, I think they're great. Oh, they're gorgeous, man. They're gorgeous. But they, they, are, they are vicious. You, they, they will warn you and they will hurt you if you get too close. But, I mean, they sleep 98% of the day anyhow. So to find one awake is pretty rare. Makes sense. So, and the other day, just while we're thinking, talking about poisonous creatures, I left to go get in my car. I turn around and I close my door and they're sitting on my door as a black widow. Yeah, I hear those things are pretty bad. They are. They're real bad. And it was right on my front door and I just had to kill it with my shoe real quick. 
it already looked pretty weak, but I was like, what the crap? Like that's, that's cool. Right as I'm leaving. Yeah, absolutely. We look, we'll often find spiders in our cars, but the ones we tend to find are called the huntsman. And these things as a baby, they're with their legs, they're about three inches across, but they will grow to the size of a pasta dish. Whoa. And they move at about three feet per second. Three feet? What? Yeah, I want to say three feet a second. And so Whoa. they they don't build webs and they catch their prey by hunting it down. And uh, they'll, they'll, they'll eat insects, they'll eat small rodents, uh, they'll eat lizards. Anything that's smaller than them, they'll eat it. Whoa, that's crazy. Now, is it also true in Australia that you have to kind of check underneath your car door handle before you get in sometimes to make sure you don't grab something? Yeah, the huntsmans, they like to hide under your door handle. I mean, it's not a habit that I'm into, but I've I've seen instances where people have gone to open their door and something's come out and crawled up their arm or whatever, so it happens. That's crazy. Have you had any, like close encounters or like for you personally, any close um, incidents with anything deadly or poisonous? Uh, Well, I'm originally from the West coast of Australia from the small city called Perth. And over there, they've got these uh, small brown snakes called Jugites. And they're quite toxic. They're not one of the most toxic snakes out there, but they are toxic. And so growing up, on 30 acres of land you'd see them quite often but they weren't a threat we'd just sort of lop their heads off with a spade and move on you know we if they got too close to the house it wasn't a case of relocating we'd just kill them and move on okay well enough about wildlife i want to know how did not so secret dad business start because you you go into the weeds on a lot of topics that I haven't quite ventured into yet. Like, I'm pretty sure you did an episode about child trafficking. Uh, yeah, that one was about, yeah, child exploitation material online, yeah. And you've gotten into some other hot-button topics, and you're not afraid to jump into the weeds to help educate dads like myself and just your even, like, your neighbors and whatnot. So how how did it all start? Like, what was the motivation behind it? Well, basically, it all started off because I'd I'd relocated from the West Coast to the East Coast, and I don't have uh, a huge friend support here. Uh, for a, for quite a while, I lived in isolation, and I, I lived by myself. My nearest family are about an hour and a half away, two hours away, so it's not like I could just call my family and go, "Hey, I need someone to hang out with," or, or whatever. And so I met my wife when she was four months pregnant. And we started casually dating. We didn't expect it to go anywhere. Uh, but then five months later, my son was born. And um, so, you know, I was doing the dad thing for a couple of years. And by the time he reached four, I just went, man, I've got all these questions, but no resources to f- that I can find. I don't have those friends around. I... Like, don't get me wrong, I have drinking buddies up at the pub and all that sort of thing, but none of them were dads. These were all younger guys. And so I couldn't really talk dad stuff and, and all that sort of thing. 
And so I decided I'm going to start a podcast. I've, I've been talking about it for two years, but I finally pulled the trigger and went, no, this is something I've got to do. I can talk to dads around the world. And that's the beauty of the internet is that I, I have access to everybody, you know, and I thought, well, let's see how things are different culturally in different countries. Let's see what advice I can get from other dads. And it's just about having those conversations between dads that you don't normally take the time out to have. Um, I know you're a massive Seahawks fan. Die hard. Gotta love the Seahawks, man. And so that for guys usually is sports. That's the go-to topic. You're not talking about fatherhood or the sleepless nights or you're not talking about the 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 poo explosions with diapers or you're not talking about um formula shortages or anything like that you're talking car sports all that superficial stuff yeah you're talking cars sports women sex drinking that's it pretty much it depending on what circle you're in unless you're in your circle with your church friends and whatnot then you're talking you know, very obviously you're talking more probably politics and the Bible and just other closely related things to church and whatnot. But yeah, no, you're right. It's all very superficial on the surface. You're not talking about the nitty gritty. No, that's right. And so that's why I decided to do it because that way I could start loading up my toolbox, as I like to call it, with different coping mechanisms, different tools, different to different ways of being able to handle things. And so over the years, I've spoken to everyday dads. I've spoken to other dad casters. I've spoken to personal coaches, performance coaches. I've I've spoken to a sex addiction coach as well. That was a very controversial episode that I did. But again, I've taken all this information that I've learned, put it into my toolbox, and it's, it's made me a better dad. And to top it off, I've started building this network of dads that I'm always talking to and bouncing stuff off of. And and uh, again, with the internet, it's it's so great because I could just send off a message to Philly or or Seattle or or Jersey or wherever really, and talk to one of my dad mates and go, "Hey, I'm struggling. What are you doing with this? Or how are you working through this? You know, definitely." And I think that's pretty common across like a lot of us dad casters that are doing this kind of thing. Um, But for us, we started somewhere totally different. Like we were kind of talking about a podcast, my brother and I, for, uh, I don't know, for a while we were talking about it because we would, we would game. And then during, while we were gaming and stuff, we would just have these really deep conversations like our gaming was when we would have like our conversations where we would get into it, where we just talk like deeply and intently. Uh, PlayStation Network probably has some great data on all that. If they really want to cover it up for us or get it out for us, that'd be cool. Um, but no, we would have these just great conversations and we always said, man, this would be a great podcast. Like this, this is good stuff. Like it was, it was good. And then we would bounce the idea around nothing would ever happen. And, bounce it around some more and we we were kind of stuck at that superficial level to where it's like well sports is kind of overran we could go more niche but more niche is even overran if we go a certain sports topic and then we're limited to grow you know we could do like a talk show but 
you know, again, it was very superficial topics we were thinking of. And then one day I'm sitting at work. This is when I worked at a bank. And it kind of just came to me out of nowhere. Like it just hit. Like it finally all clicked. The name, the idea, everything. Because we had talked about like how we would want to do a show that would be that people would want to listen to because it benefits them and somehow they get something from it. And it helps them somehow because we bring such a different perspective. Like we didn't grow up together. Him and I, we have the same mom, but different dad. So we were raised on very separate paths, but all, but ultimately had very similar outcomes to each other. We're very much alike in a lot of different ways. Um, which to me is interesting because I'm a psychology person. So it really shows a lot of nature versus nurture how we were raised and how we both kind of came up. And a lot of our similarities are very similar. Um, But even after that, we were like, what can we do? And then we started the podcast and started out really slow because we were really trying to find our footing. We would do segments. We really hated doing segments because it was a lot of stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. And it was hard. It was like, this doesn't, this is fun. It's whimsical. You know, we have a real life topic. We have a parenting topic. And then we have a fun game or bit. Like, it wasn't like, it wasn't enjoyable. And then we're like, you know what? Let's, let's try doing what Joe Rogan does and just have free form conversations and just see what happens. And then all of a sudden, we're like recording these episodes and we're catching these ideas. And now we're here and it's like, this is crazy because we connected with, like you said, it's so nice to connect with people from all over. Like we've connect, we haven't gone to Asia or really too far into Europe or anything just because I don't think our platforms like translate for them for some reason to like their like feeds and followings. It's really weird. Like I've noticed my show lands really well in Australia for some reason. And like your show does really well here. It's really interesting how similar it is when it comes to that kind of climate. But I have very little listenership in Europe overall, zero in Asia pretty much. But you say Sydney and the United States, those are my top two, top two areas. Um, It's really interesting, very interesting. But, you know, we, we started it and just started talking and getting to know other dads and at first, it was just supposed to be something for us, small, and now it's started to grow to where we have a community. People hear us, talk about us. Our reels get 10,000 plus views, and it's like this is a lot of exposure, and it's like we need to just keep being, I guess, a vessel for the message we're trying to spread about healthy fatherhood. and keep the why because we're really trying to make an impact on one person whoever this really lands with we wholeheartedly believe if it needs to land with someone it's gonna land with them they're they're gonna find it they're you know god makes no mistakes it's gonna land with them when it lands it's gonna land and it's gonna be for a reason because they need to hear that latest episode and it's so important that we keep that perspective because we never know when we're truly gonna just skyrocket to the moon could be any episode it could be a past episode that all of a sudden goes from a hundred plays to 
10,000 players overnight because all of a sudden it caught on with 10,000 people and then they're binging and then they're like, this is some good stuff. I need to keep on this. You know, you never know. And so it's just so important to us to keep being that vessel because we got to keep doing what we're doing. Got to keep doing it because that's essentially segue here. That's what fatherhood is. We have to keep going. We always got to keep going. No matter if we're tired, broken, beat down, no matter what we're going through, we got to keep going because we got to keep going for our kids. That's it, man. That's it. And look, one thing I do want to touch on with you there as well is is the fact that you're saying like it may land with someone. Someone may need to hear it. And that's that's why my my podcast is called Not So Secret Dad's Business because one, it's having those talks that don't normally have. And so my tagline is taking the secret out of fatherhood. We're talking about it. It's no longer a secret. But secondly, that was the second motivation for me to do the podcast was for me to be able to not just personally connect with other dads, but also have those conversations that some dads really aren't comfortable having. And they can listen, like you said, listen to your content or my content or whoever's and and take something away from that that could be beneficial for them. Even if it's just a case of, oh, wow, man, I'm not so alone. But as for fatherhood, you're right, man. Like it's 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 very much like podcasting. You just got to keep pushing forward. And hundred percent. I think it's like anything in this life, you know. Like life is hard, and, and and like when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to grow up because it meant I could eat ice cream in bed. You know, like I'm a, I'm a grown up. I can do what I want. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, I don't remember the last time. In fact, I don't remember ever eating ice cream in bed. And life is a hell of a lot harder than I ever expected it to be. 100%. And I think it's interesting when we really think about why we're doing our podcasts and whatnot and fatherhood and sharing our story, sharing the not-so-secret dad business, because ultimately it's become our blueprint. It's become our, our success story. Like what we went through and what we overcame and all those things that we learned along the way are going to become someone else's game plan. It's going to become their playbook. You know, our stories that we tell or that we have our guests tell or anything like that, those are the game plans. Those are the playbooks for our listeners to to learn from, to study, to get their plays from, to get their tools from, to increase their tool bags. Um, and it's so important that we keep doing it because it's, is what it is and that's what fatherhood is too at the same time we're giving our little ones the tools that they need to be successful human beings to be intelligent to be empathetic to be compassionate to be authentic to be themselves to be empowered to be self-advocates to be anything they really want to be in this life that's what ultimately our job is with them yeah well hey look let me ask you this jay because I, I, I found this for myself, but have you found that doing a dad-centric podcast all the while being a dad has sort of it's even strengthened or cemented that identity of being a father for you? Because I know for myself, I, I feel more like my identity is based around being a father than anything else because I'm doing my podcast and I'm thinking dad-centric stuff constantly and it's not just with my son. and it definitely makes me want to 
continue just to be a, a good dad involved and keep going. It gives me a lot of motivation, but it also shows me how real and how many fathers aren't stepping up. I heard someone today and I know this person, I work with them and I heard them refer to the father of their child, their co-parents as the child's other parent. And it broke my heart because it was like, yes, you guys might have your differences and things are frustrating and he's not meeting his, his burden and he's not doing what he needs to do. But like, that's that boy's dad. Like, you can't, you can't take that. Like, that's not his other parent. Like, that's, that's his dad. Like, yes, like you have your own feelings and your feelings are valid and it's a struggle but at the same time like I'm not going to call my kid's mom their other parent so I feel like that just strips her down to a level that she doesn't deserve and even if she did like it still wouldn't be right because the kids aren't saying oh that's my other parent they're saying that's my mom that's my dad and through doing this podcast it makes me realize like I don't want to be an, an another other parent. I don't want to be another dad that's, you know, failing to meet his burden. And, and honestly, it gives me a lot of motivation and insight just on perspective and being able to share different people's perspective. Well, I gain different things from each recording that I do for myself. It, a lot of it's reinforcing previous ideas and whatnot and giving me another way to phrase it or say it or think about it. Uh, ultimately it, it helps share these stories which are important and these perspectives like this last week or recently, not this last week, recently, you know, I put out an episode to about taming the high cost of college with a financial expert. And it was really cool. It's like, I'm not anywhere near that, but I need I need to be a lot closer than I am. He had some really interesting points as well about the fact that like, you don't need to go to the name brand college. You don't need to be going to Harvard or, or Notre Dame or, or whatever. You've got community colleges, which you can get the same education at for far cheaper, if not, get a full ride. And I thought he had some fantastic points. He did. And it's just interesting to hear these different perspectives about these topics that I don't think a lot of people are thinking about, you know, and I love when I can get the perspective from a dad and a guy who's been married for a significant length of time, because that's so good because a lot of, not a lot, but it's more common than not that some of my listeners are going to be divorced. And being able to share that perspective of the, you know, long-term relationship side of it mixed with the divorce side of it, me saying like, yeah, that makes sense. Because like, for me personally, I wasn't doing that in my previous marriage and I'm doing that now in my, you know, being engaged again and whatnot. Like it's different. It's change. Like you change, you progress and whatnot. And honestly, the place where I, want to apply them to take this stuff back to a lot of the times is to the different dad groups on Facebook because those are what's the way I want to describe this 
I don't want to be gentle, but I don't want to be too, uh, too mean. They're a big cesspool of cluster for the nicest, meanest way you can put it. Yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of supportive stuff in those groups. There are dads going in there going, hey, guys, I screwed up. I cheated on my wife. How do I fix it? And it's like, you don't. You don't fix it. If she doesn't allow you to fix it, you, there's no fixing it. Like, you screwed up. You've just got to deal with the consequences as they come. And coming to 200,000 men to ask for their advice, more likely than not, you're going to get ripped to shreds. You're going to get shredded. But the main part of that, though, you can also take that. She cheated on me. How do I fix this? You don't. You don't fix it. Like, as men, we have an innate sense and it's just genetic and it's um what's the word i can't think of the word but instinctual almost instinctual that's it that's it it's instinctual for us to fix things we see rock we want make wheel we see stick we want make fire and it's how we are as men we want to fix we want to make things better we want to take that all on ourselves and take care of the problem, fix the problem, move on from the problem. And I feel like that's the biggest part of it is that so many men in these different groups that are needing some kind of support or help or something really need to be told. And I know this is harsh. And I heard this from Will Smith when I was going through my divorce. I found it. I needed it. It's stuck with me ever since. You are responsible for your, for your heart. Not the person that cheated on you, not the person that did you wrong, not the person that hurt you, not the person that put you into the situation now. You have to get over that. You have to get past that. You are responsible for you now. That's it. That's all you can control. Control what you can control as part of the 12-step program in uh, addiction recovery. But so many times I just see myself or find myself scrolling and I see those posts and I'm like, Bro, I really just want to comment, bro, you need to get over it and let it go. You need to get over yourself and let it go. And it's so often the answer because we hold on to these things because we hold on to the hope that we can fix them moving forward. And you can't. Yeah. Well, look, another one I've also seen in the groups, which I, I think is quite prevalent, and, and it comes back to the fixing it thing, right? And they're like, my wife has this problem and she was venting to me. I told her how I, how, how to fix the problem and she blew up at me. What did I do wrong? Or, or, and it's like, man, your wife doesn't want you to fix her problems. Like she's not a child. She can fix her own problems. In that moment that she's coming to you with issues, all she wants you to do is listen and for her to feel heard. She doesn't want you to fix it. But as men, you know, it's our first first instinct to just go, oh, easy, I got this sort of, all right, so what you want to do, right, is you're going to do this, 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 and this, and then problem solved. You don't have this stress anymore. But women are emotional beings that don't work logically like like we do as men. And all, like I say, it's, it's, I want to slap these men. It's like, dude, just sit down and listen. Don't give her feedback. Don't tell her what she could be doing differently. 
don't tell her, don't say anything, just listen. Be empathetic and go, all right, I hear, that must be hard, you know. And then she feels heard. She vents and she moves on and you'll find that nine times out of ten, she ends up solving that issue by herself without us even needing to get involved. Exactly. And so often it's not even the need to fix it. It's just the need to to say something. And along with that, it's when these other men are straight onto this dad's group. Like, yes, you need support. But there's also a point with it that when you say, I'm not even going to bother trying to talk to her. I'm just going to air my dirty laundry right here. You already lost, dude. You're already behind. There's no fixing this now. Like you're not even, you're past the point of even trying where you're just, it's just going to be an argument and a fight and it's just going to blow up. You're already down the path of no return almost. And it sucks to say that, but at the same time, like that's the truth. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping anybody. You're not helping the situation. And you're right because women are emotional beings and men are more logical. Men always say, I don't understand women. Let me help you understand women real quick. Take this back to your audience and and apply it. And it's going to make a lot of sense. Us as men, our brain is a big warehouse. Imagine just a huge ass warehouse. Huge, right? It, it's just filled with rows upon rows upon rows of metal racking. But the all these metal racks, we can reach. We can reach the top shelf. We can reach the bottom shelf. We can reach all of it, right? It's designed for us. We go into this warehouse. We turn the lights on, and it's just those lights that go all the way back um, really slowly. And then we go in. We go down the second row. We hang a left. We go up two rows, two rows to the right. And then up three to the left one, and there's our one box that we're going to be in right now. As we were walking there, we noticed all these other boxes, but we're not worried about those boxes. They're just there. They're all in their spot. They go back to that spot. None of the boxes touch. None. None of the boxes touch. We go, we take the box out. We put it on the floor. We sit down on the floor. We play with the toys in that box. We're done with those toys. We put it back. We tidy it up, we put it back on the shelf, and we go to the next thing we're going to go do. And we just, we're around that warehouse all day. Depending on how big it is, we get in our little cart and we drive around and we go to these next stops. A woman's brain is a spider web. And if you've ever seen a spider web under a microscope, you know that it's an intricate, beautiful design. But it's intertwined, it's interconnected. And then I want you to imagine taking a lightning bolt. And running a lightning bolt through that, you know, with the little lightning bolt that you can see, it kind of tracks it. You can see the electricity bouncing around. Notice how it never goes in one linear direction. It goes straight for a little bit. It goes up, down, left, right, sideways, down, bad, diagonal, up, down, up, down, up, down, left, right, right trigger, right trigger, left trigger, left trigger, square, square, YX, ZBA. That's a woman's brain. And it never stops. Women also have a capacity to use about 30,000 words a day. And if they don't get that need met, guess who's going to get the last 10,000 of the day? You are. And guess how many you have as a man per day? I guess around 10,000. 
Correct. That's actually that's actually 100% spot on. Man, we have 10,000 words a day. So our words are very limited. They're few and far between. If you work a job that takes a lot of talking like I do, I work in mental health. And so I'm talking a lot. And so when I'm done and I'm tired, I don't have any words left. I don't want to keep talking. I don't want to keep doing it. But at the end of the day, I know my fiance still probably has about 10,000 words left. Even though she's a school teacher, she still probably has about 10,000 words left she needs to get out. So guess what? I need to listen. I need to ask her. I need to push it, like pull it out of her to get to get it out. But that's the simplest way to think about it. And once you apply that, it makes a lot of sense. It really does as well, because I mean, it explains why they can, why women can multitask so well, why they can think about a million different things. You know, I've got to get the kids to the dentist, then drop them at school, then I've got to do the grocery shopping, and da 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 yada yada yada. And it's because everything is intertwined and everything is connected. But like you say, with us guys, man. It's like we're focusing on that one thing at that time and then we'll pack that box away. Uh, And you know what? My favourite time is to pull out the nothing box. And I'm sure you're the same, the nothing box. And I've, I've tried to explain the nothing box to plenty of women in the past and they don't get it. And I'm sure everybody listening knows what the nothing box is. It's when you're just sitting there, you're staring into space and your wife goes, what are you thinking about? Nothing. Like there is nothing. Women don't get it. They they do not get it. Like I'll talk about like we talk about sleep in mental health, and I work with mostly women. They're like, oh, I didn't really sleep good last night. Like, couldn't get my brain to turn off. And I'm like, huh, interesting. They're like, yeah, I needed to put on some like music or some noise or something. Or like my fan's broken and I couldn't sleep without that because I just need the noise, which is actually a trauma response related to an underlying abandonment issue fun fact but they're like yeah I just like I just can't turn it off like I just can't like I was just it wasn't able to shut my brain off last night I'm like huh that's weird they're like what do you mean I'm like I just lay down and I close my eyes and stop thinking and I go to bed and they're like they grab their desk and they're like it shuts off like you can just shut your brain off like that I'm like yeah, I do it half the time when we're talking. Yeah. Look, I've got ADHD as well. So, I mean, like my mind is is a million miles an hour as it is. Yeah. So when I do get that moment to go into the warehouse, pull down that nothing box, it's a reprieve. It is. It's nice. And I get myself caught doom scrolling or, or whatever. I lose all track of time and I'm like, oh, wait, I've been in this box way too long. I've got to put this baby away and start pulling out other boxes and get stuff done. I go start running around again. No, I do as well. And I think there's a clear advantage for boys and men who have ADHD because it is also a downfall at the same time because it's very easy to forget. Also, women, if you're listening to this and your man has ADHD, don't move his stuff. Don't move it. Do not do it. Don't touch it. Don't move it. If I leave my wallet on the bathroom counter or if I leave my keys hanging up in the hallway on a picture frame leave it don't touch it don't touch it because if you move them i'm going to go to that box to where i left those keys and if they're not there they don't exist anymore no they don't they they, they, they're not there you can't see them they don't exist 
And this happens with people too. You know, I, I find myself, I'm like, oh, I haven't caught up with such and such for ages. Hey, man, it's not because I don't like you. I just forgot you exist. Exactly. But, yeah, don't move anything. Like, it drives it drives me insane. I'll put a book down or I'll put, just put something on the coffee table, come back five minutes. Where's my thing? Oh, I put it away. Where? Oh, it's, it's, it's in that cupboard. I won't see it. It could be right in front of my face. I will not see it. And so I don't know if that's an ADHD thing along with a man thing or not. But I think it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both, honestly. But I'm glad I'm a man with ADHD and not a woman with ADHD because ADHD and menstruation are the worst of enemies. They do not mix at all. And there's a lot of clinical research out there on it, but the mix of ADHD and women and menstruation, it makes ADHD symptoms a hundred times worse. Especially the emotional dysregulation. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the levels of the testosterone and the estrogen are at a low during menstruation. And so the, the chemicals that do help balance the ADHD for women, even those who are uh, medicated, and it's really hard for women to actually get diagnosed in general because it's, it's very commonly misdiagnosed in women unless it's diagnosed by a provider that also has it is the most common and successful way that I've seen it actually diagnosed with women. Just be grateful, men. Just be grateful. Just be grateful. That's all I'm going to say there because it's, it's a nasty correlation and it makes those symptoms and those ADHD things for women a bajillion times worse than everything else. So Absolutely. I've seen that in my sisters. Yeah. So be really nice to your significant others. If she has ADHD and she's on her monthly Legit run and hide, but also be really nice. Yeah, the the other option I have for you there as well, fellas, is heat packs, chocolate, movies, like rom-coms. They love them. Get them a packet of tissues, a nice warm blanket, and then disappear. Disappear. They don't want you around. Yeah, if they if they call you, say they want you to, hey, stay and watch the movie with me, that's fine. Maybe sit there and do that, but... Don't interrupt. Don't say anything. Don't just be there. That's it. You could you could probably even get away with falling asleep. You probably could. Then again, I've also that, that's a touchy one though. I've I've also been caught in the past where I've fallen asleep. You didn't even watch the movie with me. What was the point of us spending time together? Oh, I don't know. We we were in the same room on the same piece of furniture. We were together. But again, this is how men and women differ so vastly. Hundred percent. And so I'm curious for you because I didn't know this previous. You met your wife when she was four months pregnant, so your son is not your biological son, correct? That's correct. So how how has that been for you guys navigating that, figuring that whole? I mean, I don't know what that conversation's been like. If you've had a conversation with him about it yet, or what the plans are for that kind of conversation, or just how that's worked because you he's I don't know how old he is now he's seven now seven okay yeah I thought he was about seven eight so yeah look okay so if you go back into the backlog of the podcast I did an episode with my co-host Judge Gonzo shout out to Judge he lives in New Jersey and he's my favorite foul mouth chucklehead if you're easily offended with foul language don't go back and listen to those episodes but we did do an episode which has been removed 
just so it doesn't complicate my life if, if my son's biological dad does hear it. But we were talking about what that talk would look like. And uh, literally a couple weeks later, his biological father reached out and said, uh, this was the first time in like six years that he'd reached out and said, hey, I was wondering if I could meet my son. And so that put, as a dad, put me into a tailspin because I've, I thought the whole dynamic was going to change. How is this going to affect my relationship with my son? Am I now going to be relegated to stepdad? Is he going to pick up his parental rights and start expecting to be able to do all that dad stuff and, and blah, rada, rada, rada? And so because of that, we had to sit Eli down and say, hey, buddy, we need to talk to you, right? So, you know, there's a mummy and a daddy, and a mummy and a daddy make a baby. And he's like, yeah. I said, well, in this situation, I'm not the daddy that made you, but I'm the daddy that chose you and loves you. And he goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, before I met mum, she had another boyfriend, and he helped mum make you. He's never been around. I know this is new for you. Now, he, he made you and he decided that he was not in a position to be a good dad. And so he stepped back and told, told your mum, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I said, so when I met mum, I didn't expect to be your dad, but I watched you get born. I've been here and watched you learn how to talk, how to walk how to feed yourself, all that fun stuff. You followed me around. I'm the daddy that shows you and loves you. And that's the only thing that matters. A daddy is not just somebody that can make a baby. Because I know I know men that can make babies really, really well, but they're bloody poor fathers. So having that conversation with him was interesting. He took it surprisingly well. But he, he won't come to me and ask questions about that for the pure fact that he's scared of hurting my feelings. He saw how much having that situation come up, how hard it rocked me. Like I was useless for six weeks. I was no no support to anybody. I couldn't be a good father. I couldn't be a good husband. I was barely being a good me, you know, because I was trying to really unpack everything in my head. And I think... ADHD has made that worse because I'm an overthinker as well. So if I get locked in up there and I'm stuck in my head, just I go off almost like a mental doom scroll and I overthink everything. But, yeah, you know, it came off really well. It worked out well. He knows that his biological dad's out there. When Eli's ready to meet him, I'm sure he'll, he'll broach that subject. We've told him that he can ask as many questions as he wants. And we've told his biological father as well that you're not forgotten in our family. Like you, we do talk about how you're not around and this sort of thing. And Eli is aware that you're out there. And so we're, we're not bad-mouthing you or anything like that. Like it's, it is what it is. And so I guess when it comes to Eli meeting his biological dad, whether that's a year from now or whether it's another 10 years from now, he's graduating high school and decides he wants to meet him. You know, that's Eli's choice. We are not going to force that on him. 100%. And I think that's so important that when it came up, you guys had the conversation, you didn't shy away from it. 
and it came straight from you guys to him versus him hearing something one time from someone and then having preconceived ideas and confusion and anger and distrust around the whole situation. Instead, I think you guys handled that incredibly well. Was it hard? Absolutely. Is that whole situation, even from my perspective of being a divorced dad and their mother getting into a new relationship right after us and then being pregnant three months later and then him coming right into the picture before I'd even met him once and, you know, all the things that happened in between, like, it sucks. It's scary because you do worry, like, am I going to lose my kid? Are they going to try to replace me as, as their dad? Like, ultimately. Um, and I love how you phrased that. And I think just to go back for a second before I get there, but you know, you guys had the honest, transparent conversation with them. And yes, it was a big thing, but there was a, probably a lot of little conversations that you guys had had or little times where he brought up something that was bothering him to where he was able to receive that bigger conversation because he knew that he can go to you with the same thing. And you showed him that you can go to him with the same thing. So that trust goes two ways. So since then, I'm sure there's still been little talks like, hey, I need help or this thing's bothering me. I'm getting bullied at school or whatever it might be. Those those littler and then they're going to turn into bigger things. And that's why I said not yet. You know, he's not talking to you about it yet. He's going to talk to you about it someday. He's going to get curious. It's going to happen. It's just natural human nature. Um, we want to know these things. And I think it's so important that you guys don't badmouth his biological dad because it's going to make him want to chase that more. Absolutely. And look, this is this is another episode I want to do at some point if I find the right guest. But I want to do an episode on parental alienation, right? Because yes, there there are there are deadbeat dads out there, and you were mentioning before uh, that obviously that with with your coworker, there's obviously some friction there with their their ex partner, and and they're calling them the other parent. Now, as I'm saying, there are deadbeat dads. Yes, don't get me wrong about that, but there are also a lot of dads out there that are trying to be good dads who want to be with their children, who want to help raise their children, but their children are being used against them for personal reasons. 100%. Now, I, I've never met Eli's biological father, so I, I, I can't base my opinion on his personality or anything about him really, but I'm automatically going to... Let's use the word judge. I'm going to judge him for the fact that he did step back and go, no, I don't want to have this kid. Because he had kids before Eli, and I believe he's had children after Eli as well. So that's why I I have my issues there. But those are my issues. So they're not his feelings. They're your feelings. They're her feelings. And you guys can't pass those on to to him because that's, that's not fair to him. But I do think he, you know, his biological father made the right choice for Eli for that situation. And I think that's a lot of dads who are deadbeats and labeled that, you know, I think that's because they're inconsistent and they don't show up when they're supposed to show up and they don't meet their end of the bargain when they're supposed to meet their end of the bargain. 
and they just continually fail and hurt their kids, which causes more damage versus if they just didn't be involved or weren't involved, period. Yeah, exactly. And that's 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 where I do have some some respect for the guy. Like I I'm not bitter and angry at him. I, I don't understand. And I think that's why I have those judgments. I don't understand why he'd he'd step back like that. But that being said, kudos to him. He knew that he wasn't going to be a good father or he knew that he just he didn't have enough spoons. Maybe he just didn't have enough spoons that, that at that point. Whatever it may be. Like he knew that he couldn't do the job maybe just couldn't do the job as well as he, he knew he should and, and like you say, he removed himself entirely. Instead of being a wishy washy dad doing his best, but his best not being yeah, good enough. And sometimes that's better. And I think it's interesting what you said talking about parental alienation. That's the whole thing because it's common on both things and I don't think people realize the depth of parental alienation and how you saying something like oh you just saying how you feel about a situation to your kid with their with their with their mother or their father that parental alienation in a farm because you're projecting a feeling outwards toward and out loud with your kid in the room that can make them feel a different way about their parent. And that's not healthy. And I saw a quote the other day, actually on a dad's group. So many kids grow up thinking they have a deadbeat father. Really, all they really had was a very bitter mother. And it sucks that that's true. It goes both ways. Because some kids think they have a deadbeat mom, a mom who doesn't care and not involved. When ultimately... They had a dad who just had money or had a power struggle or was narcissistic or had the ability to screw over that woman because she fucked him by giving him a kid and he didn't want the kid. She kept the kid. He didn't, she didn't listen to him. So she's just going to take the kid and uh, he's going to ruin her image and all that, you know, and it's just, it's unfortunate because it does go both ways, but more commonly than not, there are a lot of bitter moms out there who are just trying to prove a point and manipulate the justice system, especially here in America, because it is easily manipulated until you get a judge who sees right through the crap and grants a dad who doesn't have anything against him, who hasn't done anything wrong per se. And that dad gets granted 50, 50. And then the mom's screwed because now she only gets part of the child support she was getting. She can't live off that anymore. Now she has to adjust. Now she only has the kids half the time. And then all these other people start to see the real picture because now he's in the picture and everyone's wondering, well, now what she said before doesn't make sense because now I've met, interacted with this dad and I've worked with him. What she was saying before about him, that's not who he really is based off my interactions with him. And it really starts to turn the tables, and it's really interesting when that happens. But parental alienation, it's a it's a dark and windy path, and it's not a healthy one for anyone involved. No, and I think what a lot of parents in that situation seem to forget as well is that kids, especially in those early years, like that first seven years when their brain is still 
going through those theta brain waves and really um, developing all those neuro, um, what's the word, all, the, all those neuron pathways and all that sort of thing, that they don't really have an identity of their own. But their identity is I'm half mum and I'm half dad, right? And so it can another another example of this alienation can be as simple as oh my god I wish you wouldn't do that you remind me of your father every time or you know oh my god you're just like your bloody mother now your child knows that you have issues with their with their other parent with their mother or father they know that. And so when you start saying, oh, you're just, you're acting just like your father or you, you know, your, your mother does this all the time. I wish you'd stop that. They see that as an, a personal attack because half of their identity is that other parent. Exactly. And so I, do, I just wanted to point that one out. You know, as we get close to concluding here, we can go on. Um, I think parental alienation is a very deep topic that needs its own time in itself and is one because I think a lot of dads do it without realizing it. And it's really unhealthy just for you as a person, um, as a dad to be doing that, um, especially in at least in the state of Washington where I am. If you have a parenting plan in court, you can actually get held in contempt for doing so because it clearly goes against your your parenting plan it's it's written out and spelled out in there that you can't do that and let's say it's it's caught it's recorded you're fucked yep all it takes is that other parent to go to court and file the contempt papers yeah it's gonna get upheld and um it's it's not gonna be pretty on the back end of that it's not gonna be fun and that contempt's not going to be dropped against you no matter how much you apologize because um, that's a personal attack. It's something that's affecting the kids, and it's something you're clearly told not to do. So just be careful. If you're co-parenting, just be careful with what you say, what you do. Be you. Have your own home. Have your values. Have your rules. Have your own sets. Do your own thing. But just be mindful of what that court order says. Read those papers in full so you know what you can and cannot do. And how and to what end your burden exists and meet that burden. If your burden is a 70-30 split and you're 30, meet your 30%. Do what you need to do. If you feel you're paying way too much child support and it's not going to where it needs to be going, pull the receipts. Take the pictures. My kid's been wearing these same shoes since April and I've been paying X amount of child support for the last six months. And now they've outgrown these shoes and these are the only shoes they wear and they're ragged and tagged. And, you know, the money that I'm paying isn't being used for clothes or for hygiene. Every time my kid comes to me, they stink or all these other things like where's where is this going? Or they're always saying that they're hungry whenever they're here and they don't because they don't have food at mom's and whatever. Keep the receipts. Keep the receipts. Be like Deion Sanders and keep the receipts for everything. And don't let anything slide. And as soon as you need it, you have it. You know, one thing that frustrates me the most about my parenting plan is that we're supposed to be 50-50 on costs for extracurricular activities. I have Venmo requests to this woman from over a year ago. That must be frustrating, man. Look, and like I was saying uh, before we started recording, I kind of, 
I, I feel kind of um, guilty as a dad sometimes, I think, because I've had it really easy. I've got a really easy child. You know, I've not dealt with the early morning wake-ups because he gets up and makes his own breakfast and does his own thing. I've not had, I've, you know, I'm on my second marriage now, but I didn't have children with my first wife, so I've not had to deal with custody and parental plans and all that sort of thing. You know, there are a lot of dads out there like yourself, man, that have been going through the wars, and I've just not had to do that. I've floated in. You know, I didn't even have to make the make the, the baby to become a father. You know, I've floated in, become a dad, and it's been easy sailing for me. So I will say, man, hats off to you. Hats off to all those other dads out there that are, are really doing the grind, you know, because those are the, some really important points you've just made. Document everything. Watch your words and follow the parenting plan. That's that's your best chance of of getting custody of your kids back, if not just trying to have whatever minimal contact that you do have already. Yeah, not taken and if you away. do have to contact the other, your co-parent, the mother or the father, keep it transactional. Like it doesn't need to be personal. It doesn't need to be over the top. It doesn't need to be so fancy. Keep it transactional. Like, thank you. Appreciate it. This is the time. This is the place. This is the thing. I need these things back because they went to your place last time. No big deal. Can you send them back? Please and thank you. School's on Monday. I don't have their backpack. I'm supposed to drop them off. Can you drop off their backpack? Please and thank you. Or can you take it to school for them? Please and thank you. Mind your P's and Q's. It'd be nice. Be transactional. That's it. Don't worry about what she's doing or what he's doing. Don't worry about all these other trivial things. Don't worry about all these things which you feel you need to worry about that they affect you. In reality, they don't affect you a damn bit. Um, her choices and how she's impacting your kid's perspective and in their lives. Yes, that sucks. Can you change it? Even if you try? No. You can't. Stop letting it bother you. Because guess what? Your kid's going to see it. They're going to realize it. They're going to realize it. Give it time. Give it a chance. Let it marinate. Your kid's going to realize it. They're going to realize that you're the quote-unquote better parent because you're not the one causing more damage and confusion and hurting them in ways that they don't, that their other parent doesn't see them being hurt. And and just one more point I want to add to that Jay is the fact of contact right now I know I'm in Australia and I'm very very detached but like I say I I do a lot of research with American stuff and uh, politics family law courts that whole thing you don't need to be texting each other on your personal numbers the family courts in the states have some really great suggestions for parenting apps a lot of times they make you use those apps for those situations. Yeah. And then that way everything is recorded for the courts as well. Yeah. My ex-wife and I text because she wanted to use one of those apps, but there was nothing in place that said we had to. And I thought it was useless because we were communicating just fine. Then she wanted to implement it. And I'm like, this is dumb. I'm not using this because we can handle communicating as adults. So that I'm not, I'm not doing that. It was a big point of contention. I'm like, look, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it because there's no point. There's nothing that says I have to do this. 
knowing that says I have to, if you're choosing not to communicate with me because I'm not choosing to give in to you, then that's on you for not communicating the way that we've always communicated about things. And you want to suddenly change it. And I'm not willing to, to do so. I don't have to be willing. I don't have to appease you because it doesn't, it doesn't, there's nothing that says I have to, if there was something that said I had to a different story, guess what? There's not. So I'm not going to. So if you want to talk and not communicate with me about the kids, that's on you to not communicate and talk to me about the kids, but I'm communicating. I'm doing my part. I'm sending you the messages. I'm telling you what's going on on my end. And if you're choosing not to do the same, that's on you. That's on you. And it took, got to that point where we tried it. I hated it. And I just told her one day, I'm done with this. I'm deleting it. I'm not paying for it anymore. We can go back to using regular texting like we have been for the duration of the whole time we've known each other. If you don't respond and you don't want to communicate, that's on you. And that's your accountability part of it. So, but I agree, there are a lot of really good resources. There's a lot of really good apps. A lot of times you can get those paid for through the court because they'll be court ordered. So use those, make sure you're on those. And even then, be the nice one, be transactional. Because if you're just being transactional, a judge is going to use their objectiveness and be like, well, I don't see anything wrong with your communication. But I see your communication over here. Pretty hostile, pretty effed up. This one, he's just telling you the days and times and dates and information you need to know. You're taking a lot of personal shots here and harassing. You're not. Judges aren't dumb. When they have the evidence in front of them, they're able to equally weigh the evidence because there's nothing, there's no he said, she said part of it. And it makes it a lot simpler and a lot smoother. So, Yeah, and like you said, man, the family courts are rigged against the men. So we have to do that due diligence in order to make sure we don't screw ourselves. Even and harder. even with that, then being rigged, make your case. Like when you're in front of that judge or when you're getting those statements or you need additional supporting evidence, get those character witnesses, get references from your job, contact everyone you need to contact. Because if you come in with a case and a story and written character witnesses from a variety of people, church leaders, family, friends, co-workers, elementary school teachers, high school teachers, secondary education teachers, the random dude you met at Applebee's last Tuesday that you had a drink with, thought you were really cool, um, your coach, because your kid's coach saw you were the one bringing him. 95% of the time, and you were at every single game. Make your case. Make your case. Because it's it's still, even in a lot of places, there's a lot of male justices. And I see it firsthand because I sit in those courtrooms during those parental hearings, and I sit in them during the protection order hearings, and I sit in them during these different hearings, and... A well-made case is a well-made case. A shitbag is a shitbag, and he's going to get what's coming to him, and he's going to get it. The evidence is going to stack against him. Or it can stack in your favor, and you can get what you want, and you could win. So don't be afraid to, to make your case and make it damn good, because you might only get one shot. So make that case. And if you're really passionate, keep fighting. Don't stop fighting, because the fight's going to be worth it. 
in the end. Yeah, is it going to be expensive? Probably. Lawyers aren't cheap. But is it going to be worth it? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. Absolutely, 100%. So I just wanted to ask you, just before we head out and we wrap up here, I know we're going a little bit long uh, for our listeners here. That's okay. Uh, you guys are going to listen through anyway because it's awesome. But what is the one, and this is something I ask everyone, what is that one piece of advice that you would give to a dad that's down in the dumps in a dark place that came to you and said, yo, Nate, I need some advice. I need some help. I'm in this dark place. Help me get out of it. Ooh, that's a good one, my friend. Because I, funnily enough, I do this a lot. I I tend to be that guy that's checking in with everyone. I'm the are you okay guy. And I've, I have had to talk a lot of people down. Um, at the end of the day, you can't use a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Like you say, the, even if it's a custody battle or you're going through the family courts for whatever reason, and it, it could just be trying to iron out that parenting plan, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it does take an emotional toll, but it's not worth taking your life over. Your kids want you around. If anything, do it for your kids. Everybody says, I would die for my kids. All right, that's that's honourable. Would you live for them? And I think that's the easiest way to say it. Would you live for your kids? No, and I, I 100% agree because that's, that's the kicker right there. I mean, yeah, I'll take a bullet for my kids. I'll do anything for my kids. I'll do this and that for my kids. And I don't think we realize when that time comes that we're what we're really saying and what we're gonna what we're trying to do here because we're we're so focused because that's the easier way out. That's the easier option. I know at least here in the United States, it's a four to one ratio of men to women that die by a suicide. Women attempt more often, but and they're unsuccessful more often because they use less lethal methods. Men, we don't. We we go for it. We're gonna fucking do it. We're gonna fucking do it. Um, yeah, we'll get it done the first time, hundred percent. And so it's sad, but and I mean, it's, I know it's not something you should be joking about, but yeah, like you say, it's it's a case of yeah, I'd die for my kids. I'd take a bullet for my kids. But will you live for your kids? Will you be a better person for your kids? Will you just be the best parent that you can be for your kids? And that's the other end of the spectrum. That's the hard shit. And that's 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 what really shows your character even stronger. And without that, then you're you're losing a battle. You know, part of living for your kids is changing, is making a concerted effort, is being there, is showing up for yourself, taking care of your own self care, taking care of your own just everything, your own mental ability to to function as an individual as a as a parent and that all goes hand in hand with it and it's no joking matter when it comes to suicide but you know are you gonna get up and live for your kids today are you gonna get up and live for them tomorrow part of that living isn't just making a living it's it's as simple as just don't quit for one more day just keep going for one more day. And then guess what? Wake up tomorrow and just keep going for one more day. Take it a day at a time. 
as dark as it may be, take it a day at a time. Because next thing you know, you're going to be six months down the track. You're going to be feeling a hell of a lot better. And you're going to be going, man, I can't believe I was in that shit pit. But I made it out. 100%, man. All right, man. Well, let's let's wrap up here. I appreciate your time. It's been a good conversation. I think we got plenty of good, golden, delicious, straight out of the McDonald's fryer nuggets today. And it's uh, it was good. It was it was beautiful. It was fun. It was amazing talking to you. Well worth the wait. Where where can the people find more of you? Firstly, come down to Western Sydney. I'll cook your barbecue. Let's 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 catch up. Failing that, guys, uh, get over to notsosecretdadsbusiness.com. You can find me on my socials, which are both at notsosecretdadsbusiness. Uh, you can find the podcast wherever you stream good podcasts. You know, if you're listening to to the, the Young Dad podcast on Spotify, you're going to find not-so-secret-dads-business not there. Basically, we're everywhere, man. You can find us. But... um. Yeah, look, guys, if you want to reach out, send me a message. I'm, my, my DMs are always open. And um, yeah, it goes for my audience and yours, your audience Likewise, as well, likewise. Jay. And, of course, you can find more of us at Young Dad Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter slash X, Threads, TikTok. You can find me at BallboyJ on TikTok. You can find everything and then some other stuff over on our website uh, ballboymedia.com and then you can also find just my writings and things like that over on medium as well i started posting on there a couple weeks ago uh just some stuff that was already written on my blog just to cross pollinate it so it's out there it's available and again like you said my dms are always open uh to your audience to my audience we're here uh, I answer all the DMs myself, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can always email us, youngdadpod at gmail.com, and communicate via us that way. You can reach out to us through all the social channels, any way that you feel comfortable, the link in the show notes. Everything's available to you, so make sure you use that. Check it all out. And then, Nate, just once again, thank you for the conversation. Thank you for the time, and we're going to have to do this again sometime. Absolutely, man. Uh, look, thanks so much for staying up late over there because I know Seattle to to Sydney, man. I think you're plus 17, maybe plus 15 or 17. Something around that. Yeah, it's it's currently 3.30 in the afternoon on Saturday here. But guys, if you're, if you're listening to this on Not So Secret Dad's Business as well, please get over and check out Jay's podcast, the Young Dad podcast. It's It's awesome. Uh, so please guys check out Jay's podcast there's a whole heap of awesome stuff there no I likewise if you're listening to our podcast if you're listening to the Young Dad podcast check out Not So Secret Dad Business a great catalog of episodes really cool guy hosting it I talked to him once pretty cool not gonna lie alright dude pass, pass the check but no seriously great great show really gets into the weeds over there on all these hot topic hot button dad issues that we all want to hear more about, and yet none of us want to talk about. So That's it. Hey, Jay, thanks for having me, man. This has been fun. I love the conversation, and we've been on plenty of juicy tangents. So There's only more to go down. There's only more to go down. Absolutely. We're going to do this again. We'll have to do another crossover episode, my friend. 100%, my friend. 
Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to find out more about today's guest, just check out the links in the show notes. You can follow the podcast as well on social media at Not So Secret Dads Business or on our website, notsosecretdadsbusiness.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate and review the show. It helps more than you realize. Until next time, guys, be the best dad you can be.